Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. Our second reading of Scripture can be found from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 9, verses 28 to 36, if you would like to follow along either in your pew Bible or if you're at home, a Bible of your own choosing, uh, or in the lovely bulletin insert Kathy has prepared for you. Let us listen now to God's holy word as it comes to us this day. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter, John, and James, and went up to the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, But since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Not knowing what he said, While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice saying, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Before sitting down to write my sermon, I often sit or I read the text multiple times following the monastic practice of Lectio Divina, or the Latin meaning divine reading. It's a way to spend time with a piece of scripture in a contemplative, and a purposeful way, I would recommend it to anyone, and you can easily find how you do it online. It's a way of letting certain words or themes pop out at you. As I was sitting with the text for us today, I was struck by a word and particular or theme, which was that of the disciples succumbing to sleep or fatigue. The disciples' weariness is our weariness. 
Their desire to sleep is our desire to sleep. And it appears that just as we are tired, it's a result of us catching our breath from having to face one disaster after another, or one thing after another, finally meeting one goal only to have another appear. It's enough to make anyone want to lie down or lay down, uh, not a grammar person, to take what my colleague calls a disco nap. We're tired, like the disciples. Perhaps we're fussy, like the disciples. Perhaps we're like a child who needs a nap. As we put a child down to sleep, get their rest, where is it we find our rest, our restorative rest? Perhaps a bigger question for us is whether or not we will take that rest we need. Whether or not we will take that rest we need so that we might wake up in time to see the miraculous work Jesus is about to do in our midst and to understand its impact on our lives. Living as people who are exhausted does not benefit anyone. On the contrary to what our economic philosophy tells us, grinding out one project after another, putting in long hours without rest, doesn't produce favorable results. I've tried. I, it doesn't work. Exhaustion only compounds existing issues. Exhaustion only compounds and highlights what was already wrong. And it tends to create new problems for us to deal with. Don't believe me? Well, we only need to refer to our first scripture lesson to see this in action, about what happens when we just keep running on an empty tank. See, our first reading today that Heather led for us from Exodus, that was Jesus's second encounter on the mountaintop. We just turn back a few chapters and we find Jesus was there the first time only to have the people down below rebelling against Joshua, complaining. And Joshua, of course, gives in and allows them to create the golden calf. And that first time Moses comes down the mountain, he is so enraged, he smashes those tablets, and he has to turn around and go right back up <laughs> the mountain. When we are not working at our best, when we are not thinking at our best, when we are not praying at our best, we're not going to get the results we desire. And even if we don't get the results we desire, even if we are in our best mindset, if we're not in a state of restedness, we won't have the ability to see where God is calling us next. 
as the people were tired, as I'm sure Moses was tired, he goes back up the mountain to spend some time with God, to rest, to find spiritual awakening before heading back down once again, where people find his face radiating with the glory of God. None of us do our best work when we're tired, when we're angry, when we're hangry, for that matter. I don't believe there's a single person I can name who does their best work when left on that last tick of their energy bar. It may not feel like you're down to the last drop of energy, but I think many would say that there is still this general malaise that continues to hover over us, that continues to plague our spirits. So something doesn't feel right. We go, we come here in church, we go out, we go about our daily routines. Something doesn't feel right. Perhaps because something isn't right. Or it feels like we're just going through the motions to just get enough done to get us to tomorrow. With everything that piles on, it's enough to drive us back into bed, to curl up underneath our warm covers and wait until spring arrives. If we looked inside ourselves, what is the state of our spirits this day? Are they sleepy? Are they yearning for spiritual rest? How about our bodies? How are our bodies feeling? Are they sore? I heard some folks talking about that this morning before worship. Are our bodies in need of rest? None of us do our best work. None of us are our best when we don't have rest. And we find that now we are still in a time of resetting, a time where we can reprioritize what is going on in our lives so that we might find we have the ability to keep awake for when that divine call comes. I give the disciples a lot of, uh, of, a lot of hard times on occasions, only because I know that the disciples are like us. They struggled with families, relationships. The disciples struggled with their own geopolitical mess that was happening in their world. They wrestled with many things we here wrestle with this day. So perhaps we find solace, I find solace, or relatability, in the fact that they were tired, that sleep had come upon them. Perhaps a little shut-eye is what we need, just to get us to the point that we can be alert and ready for when the moment of transfiguration occurs.
Over the past couple years, throughout these times, I've talked about this malaise, this weird feeling that hangs over us. I've talked about the ways as well in which we are called to look inward, the ways in which we are called to respond to what it is God has put on our hearts. So I'm curious, what have you done, if anything, to address these things? And if you haven't, I understand. Again, there's a whole list of things that are vying for our attention. What have you done, though, to create a space for the holy, the unexpected, to enter in and allow change to take place? As we go about our lives, it may not feel like the spaces we have cultivate make an immediate difference, but the potential is there. For that when the moment of transfiguration occurs, when Jesus comes in or when the Spirit of God comes in and takes hold, that divine moment will open something up to us. And during the events of our world today, we could certainly use a moment of divine revelation. As we prepare this day, as we hear this text as well, to embark on our Lenten journey, there's something I'd like us to consider. That when we talk about Lent, what do you think of when we talk about Lent? What's the first thing that comes to mind? That's not a rhetorical question. (laughs) That's free for you to answer. You looked like you wanted to answer, Marilyn. You want to say something? (laughs) Preparation. Preparation. What are you going to give up? That's a big one. What are you going to give up? And what is our sort of the common one we often say that we're going to give up? Yeah, I know, chocolate. When we think of Lent, we often think of Lent as being this time of shedding, a time where we let things go like chocolate. But Lent is much more than letting go. I would actually challenge us to think that Lent is more than just letting go. Because funny enough, Lent is derived from the old English word Lenten, meaning spring or springtime. What if we use this season of Lent to focus not on depriving ourselves of such things as sweets, but focused on what kind of person you want to be? What if we took this time of Lent to focus on what kind of community God is calling us to become? What if we took this time of Lent to give ourselves the rest we need so that by the time Easter comes, by the time spring arrives, we're alert and ready. What if instead of letting go, we used Lent or viewed Lent as being the means for us, the opportunity for us to become something more? What if we took this understanding of Lent and understood it as our time of slumber, 
where we will soon wake and bloom like the flowers in spring, revealing how our hearts have been transformed. Friends, may we cultivate in our hearts, in our space here, a place for the Spirit of God to take hold and prepare us and ready us for when we are called to bear witness to the wonders that God is doing in our midst. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.